This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. Look down at your hands. How are they doing? Getting washed a lot. Is there a way to wash your hands where you're still cleaning them properly but not drying them out? I don't know about you. I, there, there seem to be two people or two types of people in the world, and you can determine who they are very early in life. There are the people that don't mind getting down in the sandbox, and they're reaching the hands into the dirt, and their hands are all sandy and dusty, and then there are the people who don't want to do that, and it's just the feeling of something on your hands. And it's going to sound bad, but I'm the second group. I just... When I get my hands dusty or chalky or whatever, that's like nails on a chalkboard stuff. I, I can't deal with it. I have no idea why. You know, in basketball where you wipe the bottom of your shoe to, to make sure you have that traction on the floor? No, because that's when I get that chalky feeling on my hand. Terrible basketball player. No traction on the court. Won't wipe my shoes. So we're going to talk about hand health and how exactly we can get rid of this dry feeling. And I know you can use creams and this and that. I don't know what to use. I've never washed my hands this much in my life. That's coming up in about three minutes on London Live. I do want to make mention of being outside in public places because this is something that is really annoying a lot of people. It's annoying them that we're seeing warnings or we're seeing tickets. And there was a great story that appeared on globalnews.ca over the weekend, and it was written by Global News reporter Albert Delatala, and it talked about an Oakville family. So picture this. Friday was a holiday for just about everybody, and can we have a hand for everybody who's back at work today who actually did get Friday and Sunday off because you guys have been doing such an amazing job. It was nice to see at least a couple of days off for grocery store workers and some custodial staffs. Now, we still have the people who are chugging away seven days a week, whether they be politicians or healthcare workers, you name it. But thank you so much for everything that everybody is doing to make things tick. But on Friday, a lot of people had the day off. And so a family in Oakville starts to say, okay, what are we going to do? What do you want to do today? So they went rollerblading. And they went over to a community center parking lot, Glen Abbey Community Center. And there was a dad and his two sons. And so that made, what, three people. And a community bylaw officer popped over. And said, what are you guys doing? And the dad says, uh, who are we hurting? And then the bylaw officer kind of said, well, you know that there's a pandemic going on. And the dad said, oh, you're not going to be like that, are you? And he admitted, he said, I'm just asking a question. And that's when he was asked for his ID. And he was ticketed. And it was $880. And he now has to pay that. And there will be all kinds of people who say, that's not fair. Why are we ticketing? That's not the point. You know, no, you're technically not hurting anybody. It's just you and your two sons. Yes, I get that. But right now, that's not the rule. Right now, if we allow you to do that, then we allow somebody to do something else. We allow, Where does it stop? So we've had to make more of a line than maybe we usually would in this country. But you've got to observe that line. And... for that? 
It becomes a story that gets told, and it tells other people, stay inside. For now. You know, as as much as we're starting to go stir-crazy and we're seeing wrong hashtags like end the isolation or end the quarantine, don't write those down. That's not going to help. That's not doing what we need to be doing. And if you have to find a dad and two kids, you got to find a dad and two kids. Next up, we're going to talk about hand health. You have that feeling? Mm, dry. Yeah, don't like it. What, how should we be washing our hands properly? What should we even be washing with? We're going to take a little step to the side, just for a second, because there is a lot of chatter. Now that people have watched some old games on TV, watched marble racing on Facebook, it's big, and have generally kind of stepped back from being sports fans in a number of ways, there's a lot of thought as to what is going to happen. The NHL has had an idea floated by Elliot Friedman of Hockey Night in Canada, former Western University student, that maybe they could go to North Dakota, and he's getting that information from some real good sources. Uh, we've heard thoughts of Major League Baseball in Arizona, the NBA coming together in some far-off land. Somebody suggested Mars. Not yet. We're not there yet. So what exactly can we be looking at? What should we be looking at in terms of sports? Number one is to get everybody safe, keep everybody healthy. But down the list, okay, well, do we have a Stanley Cup champion this year? Will we see an NBA champion? Will we see a baseball season? Will U.S. President Donald Trump be right? And will the NFL kick off on schedule? Well, let's bring in three individuals who will help us to figure this out. From 640 Global News Radio in Toronto, Greg Brady. From The Morning Show on 980 CFPL, Devin Peacock. And a man who's working incredibly hard in any number of ways at any time, Jake Jeffrey, who you can hear on Around the OHL. Let's welcome the three gentlemen to the show. Guys, thanks. Hey, Mike. Mike, Let's it's a pleasure kind of... to be anywhere these days. Thank you. <laughs> well, I don't know where everybody's from right now, but I think everybody's in a spot where we're all kind of secluded. So let me begin with a multiple-choice question, okay? Here comes a multiple-choice question for the three of you, and it goes a little like this. Which league do you think we're going to see play games first? Will it be A, the NHL, B, the NBA, C, Major League Baseball, or I'm going to throw in a D, none of the above. Greg, let's start with you. Well, the first thing I should get off uh, out is, uh, Mike, I don't think we'll be seeing the OHL play until about 2025, 2026. So I, uh, <laughs> don't do that to me. I No, I, I think if you're, if you're 10 and you're listening, and I know that's the demo you're gunning for, you may debut with the London Knights the next. No, I'm, uh, I, I don't think we're seeing a Major League Baseball season. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a tie between the NHL and NBA, and I think their winter seasons, their 2020, 2021 seasons, will begin potentially in the fall. I, I've got some optimism that we're closer to a vaccine when I read studies than some say that we're not going to. I, I think it's ridiculous to say we'll have sports in a month, but I also think it's it's even as ridiculous to say well the Tokyo 2021 Olympics are in jeopardy already or Euro 2021. Uh, spread across Europe in 12 nations is in jeopardy. 
we're guessing. We're throwing darts uh, right now. But but I think the fall, I, I don't see Major League Baseball being able to sustain a season that would be less than 80 games or so. Um, and, and starting up the infrastructure has a cost. And, and, and I don't think the – I think even though the TV rights are good, the empty seats don't work. I don't think the empty seats work for any of these three particular leagues. And I don't think the public's ready to embrace that yet either. Jake Jeffrey, let's go to you. What do you think? I, mean, I would have to agree there. I think baseball would facilitate the easiest possibility to play the sport, given you know there's the, the, the bit of a distance between the players. You're not uh, battling with guys as much, but I, I think that given the timing of their season, they better they'd be best just to let it happen and, and let the season just be a wash and not even bother playing it. Um, I think you could see the the fall sports that would start off, um, obviously NHL, NBA, maybe start and just do a halfway season as if both were kind of to start in a lockout and we kind of play it month by month. But uh, even from there, that will be the easiest to see them come back, whether the, it does happen or not. I don't know. There's still a lot of unanswered questions in my mind of when it comes back, um, what it looks like when it comes back. You may even see them play maybe not a season-type thing per se, but just something else to, uh, like like you saw the NBA start to do a little bit of a horse-type thing. You may see little-type things like that just to kind of scratch people's sports bone a little bit. But um, other than that, uh, I, I, it's it's tough to say. I think the fall sports would be the quickest one, but whether they start in the fall is uh, remain to be seen. Devin Peacock, you tweeted out something very interesting, a Sports Illustrated story this weekend that kind of touched on this. How do you feel about this? Yeah, the uh, Sports Illustrated uh, article was uh, super depressing. It uh, did not spell good news in terms of any of these leagues being able to have any sort of a season anytime soon when you're looking at all the people that would be involved in terms of uh, the players, team officials, league officials, broadcasters. You're drawing uh, health resources away from hospitals in any of these states or provinces if they do it in Canada, which would seem unlikely. And then if someone needs to leave to go to their family for any reason, they have to quarantine. If they come back, they have to quarantine. So that's like a month there. If someone who's delivering food or coming into any of these locations gets the coronavirus then you're looking at a situation do we need to shut everything down again the logistics of all of it are just so complicated it's almost uh, uh, impossible to put together in my opinion if we're looking at when this all comes together you know major league baseball might be able to do this best and i'm talking like for 2021 not for this year i think major league baseball is done i don't know about the fall i i mean i'm kind of hesitant to go too far into the uh, future because there's such a worldwide crush right now to find a vaccine I, you know, want to be strangely optimistic that something can be found, that this can be solved in some sort of a maybe late fall situation. But maybe it's all of the above in terms of the NHL and the NBA starting around Christmas or New Year's for a new season, this season being done. And we look at, uh, you know, playing in terms of next year for Major League Baseball. Like, I think the NFL is in danger at this point in terms of uh, playing. Uh, But if all these leagues are concerned about playing in terms uh, in front of uh, an empty stadium. All they have to do is talk to the Tampa Bay Rays because they do it all the time. <laughs> we are talking right now with Devin Peacock, Jake Jeffrey, and Greg Brady. Bit of a roundtable on what they think sports will look like and a lot of shared thoughts on what sports will look like. Greg, you had mentioned not playing in front of fans as being, you know, or playing in front of no fans as being something that sure is considered, but the likelihood, not not great. Why do you see that as being an obstacle for leagues or something that really doesn't work well for them? 
Well, I think it doesn't. I don't think there'd be a ton of public support, and and we'd confuse public support with television audience. We're all you know strapped uh, to our couches and chairs and beds uh, right now, generally speaking. And so any kind of sporting event will draw a big audience. I I know Jake mentioned the horse competition. I haven't seen the ratings, but I know it was you know universally. It seemed to be universally panned. There were current NBA players saying how terrible it was as a as a viewing obstacle. Um, so that. There's only going to be so far the leagues can go on television. But here's the other thing: is especially in the NBA, excuse me, especially in the NHL, the gate is vital. The the fans coming through are vital. I don't get playing the the concept of playing playoff games and don't fulfill a television contract, which, which has all sorts of logistics with hotels and uh, and you know, trainers coming. What, are you, what media are you credentialing? But the, the teams in the NHL need. The body's in there paying 150 200 bucks a playoff ticket. Living here in Toronto, you can only imagine what's the point of the least. I mean, let's face it, they haven't gone to the second round in a, a decade and a half, but let's, what's the point of even winning a playoff round if, if no Leaf fans are there to spend $350 a ticket and $40 for parking and on and on and on to witness it? Um, most of these leagues, I think, will, will see that. Now, the NBA has television money. They're a little bit in a safer place to do that. Um, and I think the NFL, boy, it's so bulletproof. that they, They're the only league you can say on the planet that really wasn't impacted by this. They got the Super Bowl in uh, about a month before it was declared, the, the, the World Health Organization declared this a global pandemic. And to me, they don't have a schedule, um, guys, that they have to live by. They, they have a compact, they can compact the season or even play the 16 games out. They can start January 1st, play the Super Bowl in May in Raymond James Stadium, and no one will blink, and TV ratings probably will be higher. You'll get all those cold weather games out of the way early in January and February and be playing the second half of the season in the spring. Jake, let's let's talk about the games that have been on right now and the idea that there are a lot of networks playing old games. Do you find yourself watching and maybe even enjoying that, And, and can you see yourself enjoying it for a while? I, yeah, well, I don't mean the novelty of it may lose its uh, luster after a little while because you may just run out of great games. But I, I personally, I, I've taken the opportunity and, and really enjoyed some games I've never seen before. You know, you see some highlights I would every now and then pop up on Twitter of Steph Curry doing a great crossover and, it, you know, it's going to make its rounds and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, but you don't see actual games or actual comebacks and actual storylines and stuff like that. And it's great to see. You see a couple of even athletes sort of reliving their glory days. I think it was Ray Allen and his family watching that. and um, His kids just losing it over that shot he made with the heat over the Spurs to send that game into overtime in the NBA Finals. And and to me, that kind of resonated with a little bit as well. There's going to be a lot of people here that are going to be re- or living some of these moments for the first time. And it's such a, a unique opportunity that's so often, so frequently, we're, we're lost in the now. And you know, given the current time where we have NBA, you know, college basketball, NHL, a lot on the go, sometimes you, you really do miss some of those big moments. So it's kind of a unique and cool opportunity to relive some of those. Uh, well, I want to do it forever, obviously, and I need some new moments to, to, to live naturally. But um, I, I think it has been kind of a cool opportunity. Well, we'll see how long it holds out for. Devin, as a last note in this, you mentioned the Sports Illustrated article and kind of the the way that they have painted the picture as sports being in that vacuum. As far as going forward and you look at kind of what the, the leagues, the teams would have to do in terms of paying players, how long do you think we can go on in this limbo spot? 
I do wonder about the players uh, making all this money in particular for the NHL and I guess to an extent to the NBA as well, where you have these, you know, player splits in terms of league revenue and the amounts of money that's going out and the amounts of money these teams would be losing right now would be uh, tremendous amounts in terms of uh, not getting the gate, as uh, Greg, uh, Greg uh, mentioned, uh, but uh, all the things that come with uh, all the money that's spent in the uh, stadiums, uh, the money that these teams could be making. At a certain point, I wonder what happens to the league revenue, what happens to the salary cap as a result from the, uh, the, the formula they have to determine what the salary cap is based on league revenue i'm a bit surprised the players are still getting as much as they're getting but also this kind of speaks to some of the concerns the nhl has expressed to the teams in the league like the toronto maple Leafs, who have structured some of their contracts like they did for uh, john Tavares, to be basically lockout proof and strike uh, strike proof they didn't really think about it being pandemic proof but john Tavares has owed his money via signing bonus every year july 1st no matter what he gets that money and so the Leafs are out now maybe the Leafs are a bit better to uh, absorb some of those financial hits but any team uh, in this position is going to be hurting so I'm a little bit surprised I mean there's a lot of talk in uh, European soccer about uh, players taking uh, some cuts to uh, scale back some of the uh, wages that they're paying out in those situations the amount of money that's being lost I don't know how long they can go because I think there are serious issues in terms of how these leagues continue. We saw the XFL went under, not a huge surprise given all the challenges that have uh, challengers that have come forward trying to take on the the NFL. But I think it's something that's got to be considered. I mean, these are collectively bargained uh, agreements. These players are owed the money based on everything that is uh, fair and uh, the way they agreed upon. But the amount of money that is being out the door for these teams is astronomical. And I think there should be real concerns just about how they move forward in terms of finances and the NHL and the issues they've had in the past. Well, gentlemen, really appreciate the thoughts on this. We'll have to do this again when hopefully we do see some more developments. But, yeah, I think a lot of pipe dreams exist that we'll see a big March Madness-style tournament for anybody to decide a championship anytime soon or an isolated let's play in this building and have everybody find hotel rooms and bring their families. And uh, that just doesn't seem to be making much sense right now. Thank you again. Be safe, all of you, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. We are going to see our manufacturing sector able to, in some cases, produce personal protective equipment. And that's one of the things that we are going to get an update on right now as we welcome the Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade to London Live, Mr. Vic Fideli. Mr. Fideli, thanks for being here. Mike, always a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. So good news coming from the Premier of Alberta and Jason Kenney, and good news for Christine Elliott and Doug Ford, the Deputy Premier and the Premier. Good news for the province. Let's talk a little bit about our own manufacturing sector, and maybe you could bring us up to date on producing PPE in Ontario. Yep, thank you very much, uh, Mike. Uh, some time ago now, it's uh, almost a month actually, we developed the Ontario Together web portal. And this is where companies can go on and talk uh, about their ideas or the retooling uh, that they are planning to make PPE here in Ontario. We had about 14,000 submissions with ideas, everything, hand sanitizer, gowns, masks, shields, ventilators. Um, and about 7,500 of those submissions, we 
uh, issued $90 million in purchase orders uh, for 5.1 million gloves, 20 million masks, 250,000 face shields, 50,000 uh, units of clip-on hand sanitizer, and the list uh, might uh, goes uh, quite on and on and on. So we were very grateful for that first phase of uh, the Ontario uh, uh, Together web portal. So that's phase one. Take us to what is happening next. The next phase is where we have the Ontario Together Fund, and that we announced almost two weeks ago. And this is a fund that helps um, <clears throat> companies in Ontario either retool or uh, buy new equipment. So it's a one-time $50 million fund. Uh, and we've seen uh, many companies uh, across Ontario uh, apply with ideas to make uh, either masks here in Ontario, ventilators, um, uh, gowns. So we are very uh, active with these companies now, uh, signing contracts to have this PPE made right here in Ontario. We are talking right now with the Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade in the province of Ontario, Mr. Vic Fideli. And Mr. Fideli, we have to understand that you don't just walk into a big manufacturing operation and say, okay, we used to make this, now we make this, and it's all the same. It isn't the same. So what is a realistic expectation for the creation of some of this equipment? Well, we know that uh, we signed an order for 10,000 ventilators uh, and some of the auto parts manufacturers like Linamar and Magna and Martin Rea are involved in making components for these. Um, we have Woodbridge, another very large auto parts manufacturer that is uh, making now uh, masks here in Ontario, level three surgical uh, masks in Ontario. The Premier picked up the first box of a thousand over the weekend and delivered it to a hospital. They'll be making about a million of them uh, every week. We've got uh, other companies uh, like Ford uh, who are stepping up to make uh, face shields. Uh, there's other companies making hand sanitizer. A lot of the breweries have converted to making hand sanitizer. So it's really a true spirit of Ontario, Mike, that we've seen here. And is that something that you knew was there and now are seeing illustrated, maybe to a degree that nobody really expected? Well, Ontario's always been the the heartland, the manufacturing center of Canada, and we're now really seeing these manufacturers step up. You know, in London, we see uh, uh, Trudell Medical they hired 60 workers and added a third shift at their plant over on Oxford Street. And they make medical devices for treating COVID-19. Uh, George and Tasia Musalimus, they uh, own the Thorndale Family Restaurant. They cooked Easter Sunday meals for seniors who are isolated from families and friends. Uh, Steve Bolton over at the Libro Credit. Um, they have set up an extremely useful website that allows businesses to go on and apply for interest-free loans from the feds to manage these burdens. Fanshaw stepping up million and a half dollars in emergency fund that gives every single one of the students 500 bucks to provide some relief for those in need. So th this is the real spirit of Ontario coming out right across the province and certainly right there in London.
Mr. Fidelli, we did see job numbers come out late last week, and they weren't great, and Aprils are expected to be a little bit worse. What do you tell companies that are trying to survive this? Well, work with your creditors, um, uh, stay safe, keep your employees uh, at a safe distance if you're still operating. Uh, We've seen a lot of the manufacturing sector remain open as they're allowed to. Uh, stagger the lunch hours, have different entrances and exits for the employees, stop everything and clean their plant every hour or two. Um, so we're seeing these companies, uh, we're offering a tremendous amount of support to them right now uh, from the from the provincial government as well as the federal government with deferrals of all of their government payments, uh, whether it's taxes or WSIB, um, employee health tax, even uh, for for uh, families and for businesses, we've taken the provincial share of your property taxes away for half a year. These are the kinds of supports that we've been offering uh, the business community, as well as other uh, other supports like two hundred dollars for every child under the uh, tw- uh, under the age of twelve. Uh, if you're a s- um, low income senior, we double your gains, your gain- guaranteed annual income automatically you don't have to apply your check was just twice as large as it was the month before so we're we're doing what we can to offer the supports as we wait uh, through this uh, uh, outbreak together Vic Fidelli joining us Minister of Economic Development Job Creation and Trade there's so many unknown issues that still exist and there are so many unknowns period Mr. Fidelli when you look at deferrals, has there been much conversation about how long companies may have to deal with whatever they have to defer? Well, we take our advice from the medical officers of health, um, but our deferrals, many are in place for either three or six months. Most of them are six months, actually. So we're trying to give uh, the business community a uh, uh, as much support as a government can offer. Um, we've also <clears throat> put in place um, about, well, there's about $17 million uh, that we've put in place, um, uh, about uh, seven, uh, I'm sorry, $17 billion. We've got $3.7 billion that's a direct support for people and jobs and $3.3 billion in health. Uh, and then we've got a $10 billion uh, fund that's available uh, that's available on an ongoing basis. So this is expected to help uh, with the cash flow of businesses. And ultimately, it just depends on how long we're in this particular situation. And I guess we don't have a good answer for that, do we? Well, again, it's up to the medical officer of health, uh, Mike. And you know, when we see people following the the physical distancing and staying home if they don't have to go out and and they shouldn't be out, um, then we're going to see us flatten the curve uh, and we won't hit those numbers that the medical officer of health said where where there's a potential for 80,000 people in Ontario to get sick this month and 1,600, God forbid, that may actually die from this. Um, We've seen uh, seen real uh, uh, push by by businesses and by families to uh, honor the, uh, the the social distancing. 
We have, and we need to continue it. We know that. I hope we can take it. We had a physician on earlier who said it's a little bit of a pat on the back, but don't let it provide false hope. Keep doing this, and here's hoping we can mitigate some of that rise and we can flatten that curve. Mr. Fideli, be safe. Thank you so much for your time and all of the information. Thank you, Mike, and uh, thank you, London, for everything you're doing. You are truly showing the real spirit of Ontario Uh, and we'll just have to keep it up together. Thank you. We will keep it up. Take care. Thank you. That is Minister Vic Fideli, Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation, and Trade. You've been listening to the London Live Podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.